Hello, my name is David Paletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. We are starting our Advent series, which I'm calling Game Changers. And the concept was born in my spirit. I know that you're probably all looking at my San Francisco 49ers shirt and you're all jealous and envious. I know, I know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, it your, your teams will get there too, whoever your team is. Um, but you know, uh, the concept was born in my spirit when I started considering some of the factors that uh, are so critical when you understand the reason why Jesus came to earth. Now, in the world of sports, there are plays and individual efforts that are made by incredible athletes that can be considered and can be defined as game changers. Now, um, not too long ago, uh, this incredible driver uh, of NASCAR, Ross Chastain, pulled something. All right, Mike, I heard that. Um, I, he pulled something that I had never seen. We're like, he has got to get into the final four, the playoffs. And he did some crazy stuff. I mean, like, Lois and I were watching that race on TV. Like, we're beta breath. We're like, okay, he's in like sixth or seventh position. Was he? What was he, Mike? Six or seven. He had to like pass three or four people to get in. So he just put the pedal to the metal and he destroyed the car in the process, but basically hugged the wall right through to the end, to the finish line, and literally made it by like a split second, something. Like, it was unbelievable. That was a game changer. That was something that you consider a game-changing strategy. In football, which is probably the most dramatic sport, that's why we have a picture of, of a football team, uh, that is just so uh, very, very uh, normal, right? In the, in the sports of football, you see Hail Marys. And so I wanted to show you what some of those crazy game changers look like. Steps into it, passes, caught, Diggs, sideline, touchdown. That's balance, that's balance right there. Vikings win it. And that's a penalty. 66 yards, guys. Watch On this. Its way. It bounces off the crossbar, and it's good. Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Tannehill will throw it, and this will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling. Oh, look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle. Touchdown! Washington outside left. Roethlisberger, pass time, throws to the back of the end zone, and it is 
Watch that. Gerard. Here's my Steps favorite. Up. Fires. Mike Sims. Walker. Knocked down. Oh, he caught it. Oh, unbelievable. Mike Thomas. Touchdown. 14th best in the NFL. 8.7 yards per return. Has not returned one for a touchdown this year. Waits. And it's a line drive kick. Jackson bobbles it and now has to try and recover. Deshaun Jackson gets a block. Are you kidding? Deshaun Jackson still not in and now in for the touchdown. No flags. Unbelievable. Quarter number six. Third down and 14. Even the Panthers made it. From the 31 of Carolina. to an open Smith. Steve oh. Smith is going to go all the way. No flags down. Smith scores. Get it up for the Panthers who won a game on TV many years ago. Third and 14. I know, I know. I'm, I know. You all love me and love the Panthers too. But you know what? That's what you would consider game changers, game changing plays. You know, yesterday, for those of you who uh, watched the the uh, soccer game between the United States and Netherlands. Unfortunately, the United States didn't pull through, but there were like some game-changing plays, like the pass that Pulisic received, and that was a game-changing pass. The shot was a poorly taken shot. That was a game-changing poor shot. And then the goalie making that crazy save, that was a game-changing save. So game-changers are part of... Uh, you know, a lot of the uh, professional sports and, and what they do in professional, uh, professional athletes. Now, game changers can be a key to a team's success. In fact, game changers, according to Merriam-Webster, uh, is defined as a newly introduced element or a factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way in a very significant way. And so as part of a game, a play can change just about everything about that game. Now, game changers are not only found in the world of sports. In fact, game changers are found in other uh, uh, in ways, in ways of discovery or technological advancements, uh, inventions, groundbreaking technologies. And let me give you some. For instance, in the 19th century, in the 1800s, the invention of the electric battery was one of them. That has changed uh, the world as we know it. In 1803, the first railway was created. The, in 1807, the steamboat was invented. In 1816, the telegraph. Uh, you know, you can thank whoever invented the telegraph in 1816 for the phone that you have in your hands. The first American railroads were, was created in 1828. Now, in the 20th century, we saw, again, some incredible releases of revolutionary technology that has shaped the entire century and our modern uh, world. In fact, like the automo automobile in eight, 1901, sorry, was uh, invented. The air conditioning, thank God, in 1902. Did you know that? It's crazy. My parents are still living without air conditioning in 2022. Um, the airplane, 
1903. And then the television, which is probably a blessing and a curse all at the same time, in 1927. Now, most recently, I would say that probably the most incredible invention of all inventions is Tesla's new FSD. How many of you have heard of Tesla's FSD? Like, what in the world are you talking about, David? Tesla's FSD is a fully self-driving software. So right now, Tesla has in a beta version, you can buy the first self-driving car. We have officially entered the Jetsons era, guys. <laughs> officially. If you don't know who the Jetsons are, ask somebody that's got a little bit more gray hair than you do. And you know what? There's, I mean, this guy, this Tesla crazy guy, but he's just a brilliant man, right? You know who I'm talking about. I wish his name was David Coletta, but no, it's not. Uh, but he has come up now with a new invention that is in beta format as well. And that is a chip that will be implanted in the brain so that you can automate. All, I mean, this is like no Twilight Zone stuff. But there are inventions and discoveries and things that uh, are coming up on a consistent basis that are aimed to improve our world. They're game changers. Now, when Jesus came to earth, he challenged everything as it pertains to the traditional belief system of Christianity. He challenged all of it. In fact, I would say that he came and he ripped the playbook of traditions and traditional Christianity and traditional belief system and connection to God and religion, all of it. He just took the, the, the playbook for that and he just ripped it up and he said, do away with that. I got something new. It is me. I am the new. That was Jesus. Now, hear me well. He did not throw out the book. I'm talking about the playbook that Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes were using constantly in order to convince people that that's the way that you approach God. Now, <clears throat> Jesus, in my opinion, is the greatest, the greatest game changer in history. And I want to read to us today from Luke chapter 19. I want you to turn to Luke 19, and we're going to read from verse 1. And you're going to see it on the screen. We're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 10. And it says that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. Say Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short... Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he. You know that song? Yeah. He climbed up over the sycamore tree, the Lord he wanted to see. Thank you very much. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. And Jesus, uh, and when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, that's pretty bossy. Hey, you, come down immediately. Now, only Jesus can talk like that. Don't get any ideas. 
I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. That's what Jesus does. Game changing. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Leave that verse up for a minute. <clears throat> Go back for a second if you don't mind. Today, salvation has come to this house. Those are very important words. Because Zacchaeus, if you read just before, he was so concerned about his cheating, about the fact that he has taken money. <clears throat> but Jesus said, huh? One of those game changers. Salvation today has come to your house. Jesus was more concerned with the spiritual well-being than all of the other stuff, which is powerful. Now, Zacchaeus <clears throat> was not just a normal tax collector. We read it. He was a chief tax collector. And he was not well regarded by his people because he was a Jewish man who was collecting taxes and <clears throat> in the process was making himself very rich and living a rich, comfortable life. And so in verse 10 is the verse that, uh, that which is going to be our text for today that says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, I want to point out a couple of game-changing strategies in this very verse. First of all, there's no way that anyone can be saved unless you're lost. There's no way you can be saved unless you're lost. Now, imagine for a moment, <clears throat> you're in this thick forest, trees everywhere. You can't see the sun come in. You cannot see where the north, south, east, or west is. You're completely in this enchanted forest of lostness, and you're lost. You're lost, and you're like, Going to the right, and there's trees. Go to the left, left, there's trees. Behind you, in front of you, you don't know what to do. And so after a few hours, a, uh, uh, a crew gets dispatched to come and search and rescue crew coming to find you. Now, they're looking, they're looking. Finally, they find you. And then you, as you are found, you're there, and you like, life is normal, right? Like, you, how would you respond to a search and rescue team that's found you? You would be so grateful. You'd be jumping up and down. You'd be saying, hey, here I am. As soon as you see them from a distance, here I am. I'm here. I'm here. Thank you for saving me. That's what you would do. You'd be thankful for them. You know, we as a family, our, uh, our daughter-in-law, her dad, had that same kind of an experience. He was um, bit by a rattlesnake in a very dead uh, area where there was not a whole lot of people. 
uh, as he was um, uh, spending some time uh, climbing and, and, uh, and just looking into, he just loves to hike, and so he likes to look at different areas. And unfortunately, that day, he forgot to take his, his satellite phone because it was dead. And so he and his dog adventured, uh, and after he got bit by a rattlesnake, I think he was um, uh, some 10, 10, 10 hours, 10, 10, 12 hours, basically alone, uh, unable to move because the venom from the rattlesnake had just about reached his heart. And um, in order for the crews to get to him, when the search and rescue team had to get to him, they literally had to move trees out of the way, go with four by fours because you can barely even walk. They, they had to remove trucks in front of the entrance to the park where he was because they could not get to it. But they did everything that they could. And finally... They rescued him, put him in a helicopter, and he just barely survived. Powerful testimony. I think it's been documented. I think that they are even talking about probably a movie, I think, of some sort uh, that I heard. It's just, it's, it's amazing. It's just incredible, the testimony of this man who is alive and is actually doing well. Anti-venom, how many did they give him? Ten? Something like, a, a lot. A lot. You normally give like one single bag, but they had to give him so many of them in order to combat the venom that had literally overtaken his body. Just an incredible story. Now, he was lost, but that crew did everything that they could to find him, and they did find him. Now, the word lost has some very, very deep meaning because the salvation of our soul starts at the point at which you and I recognize that we are lost. Now, when you think about when you accepted Christ, you remember you had to stop for a moment and say, you know what? I need to agree with what the preacher is saying. I need to agree with what I'm reading in the scripture. I need to agree with that person that's talking to me to help me realize that I really do not have Jesus in my heart. And without Jesus, I am lost. We were lost in our sins and transgressions, the Bible says. Lost. The word lost means uh, something very, very important. It means destroyed, utterly marred, perished, dead, both literally and figuratively. That's what loss means. That's, that was our condition before we met Jesus. Now, unfortunately for, for many today in our world, they think that they know where they're going spiritually. And so they have embarked on, in, in life and, and thinking that they're going in the right direction. Many raised in the church, they probably think that because I was raised in the church, I'm a Christian. But you know what? That is no more, you, that, that a person that is not walking with God and attending a church on Sunday is no more than a Christian than me sitting in my garage thinking that I'm a car. Think about it for a moment. Just coming to church, sitting in church week in and week out does not make you a believer of Jesus Christ who believes in the Word of God, who believes that Jesus saves, who believes that you were lost, that I was lost at one point in time. I know that that just probably destroyed some of your theology, but that's okay. Because being lost is way more than just 
you know, plugging some directions in your phone or in your car to get to the next destination in life. It's a lot more than that. Now, because lost carries such a deep meaning, and we have to realize that sin is what causes humanity to be lost. I want you to know today that if you have not yet experienced the love of Jesus in your heart, if you have not yet accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today is a day that you can do it. Today is a day that you can find Jesus because you know what? You don't have to be lost forever. And Jesus does something very powerful. And I'm, we're going to get to that in a, in a minute. Now, some will say that some people have certain tendencies because they were born that way. You know, I act a certain way because I was born that way. I have certain tendencies in life. I was born that way. Can I just be honest with you? Each and every one of us was born that way. It's called sin. It's a word that is not typically talked about in the church as much as it used to be because it is sin that destroys. It's sin that mars. It's sin that separates. It's sin that causes and brings eternal death and damnation. Wow, David, you're serious this morning. You're talking like some condemning stuff, but that's the word of God. Because without Jesus, we are lost. Without Jesus, we are marred and scarred forever. And so we need him in our lives. All of us were born that way. You'd have to go back to Genesis chapter 1 to understand it. That that's when sin entered. Our propensity to sin and disobey God causes us to do what we think is right in our own eyes. And back in the Bible days, in the, time, in the times of the judges, there was a group of people, the Israelites, that were constantly falling back into sin. Why? Because they were saying, you know what? I'm just going to do what's right in my own eyes. That's why God was raising up judges, because the people were doing what was right in their own eyes. I want you to know that thousands of years later, still today, we have not learned a lesson. We are still doing what we think is right in our own eyes. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23 says, For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us, without the God in our lives, God penetrating every aspect of our existence, we are lost. Jesus did not come to condemn us. He came to save us. And so regardless of where you are today, whatever your condition, I want you to know, I want you to know that you are never rejected. And Jesus never rejects anybody. You know, in the Old Testament, only the priest could enter the presence of God. Only the priests could actually go before God and sacrifice. And so what he would do, he would sacrifice animals, and then he would sprinkle blood of animals over the altar. And, <clears throat> and that sprinkling would basically satisfy the wrath of God, and, and sins would be atoned for or forgiven. Jesus came 
and he changed the methodology completely. Jesus said, no more do you have to cut up animals. No more do you have to do all of this stuff that was assigned to an individual group of people called the priests that would sacrifice these animals. Jesus changed everything. And now, because he changed everything, he allows us in his presence. Guys, we are so privileged. He allows us in his presence. We can go in. None of us are ever out of the reach of God's loving arms, of God's fatherly embraces. None of us. It doesn't matter where we have been. It doesn't matter what sins we have committed. God is always there waiting to embrace us, waiting to receive us. You know, one of the definitions that I read before is that uh, Jesus came to seek and to find the lost, right? And, and to be lost is really complete, utter, uh, physical and spiritual destruction for all of us. But you know what? We have such a high priest today that stands in for us. He knows what we have walked through. He understands the difficulties that we go through. And he is there for us. And Jesus did something very powerful. Jesus headed that rescue team. And Jesus is actively seeking for us. Jesus came out and started looking for all of us. Seeking means to seek to inquire, to investigate, to reach a binding resolution, to search or to get to the bottom of a matter. That's what that word actually means in the original language. Jesus is not waiting. He's not sitting around. He's not waiting for us to do something with him. You know what? Today is your day of salvation. Today can be your day of deliverance because Jesus is seeking for you. He's coming after you. He's not waiting for you to scream and say, here I am. He's already on the way to you. Look at Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to 8. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantages, which he could have. I don't want to go and die on a cross. I'm God. And yet, he reduced himself to the nature of man, looking like you and me, in order that he made himself nothing by taking what? You should go back, sorry. So reading the bottom of that verse. There you go. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He became a servant. Being made in human likeness, looking like us, so that, verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. 
do we realize the privilege that we have? That's a game changer, guys. Under the old covenant, you could not go to God for your own sins. We talked about that just a minute ago. You could not even take part in the ceremony of going to God and talking to God about your stuff. Certainly, you could not go into the Holy of Holies and talk to God directly. That was designated for the high priest. Only he could go once a year into the very presence of God. And you know, they had to tie a rope to his foot just in the event that God would not accept the sacrifice that was offered because there might have been perhaps sin in the camp or something that was not been that had not been atoned for. You know what would happen? God would transfer the penalty of the people onto the high priest. And he would be stricken dead in the presence of God. That's why he had a rope to his ankle. They had to pull him out. You realize that Jesus did that for us. The punishment of our sin, Isaiah 53 says, was upon him. And by his stripes, we have been healed. He took the penalty of our sin. He took the weight of our sin upon himself once and for all so that we can now go to God unashamedly and we can bring our requests before him. None of us are ever out of the reach of his love. He wants to bring you perhaps out of despair and into hope. He wants to lift you out of sorrow and out of shame and into joy so that we can approach God and get to know him with joy. He wants to lift us out of condemnation and self-rejection and to bring us into the love of a father who wants to embrace us and love us and care for us because he is so good, because we are loved and accepted no matter what. That's why Jesus came. And that's why we, guys, all of us as believers that have accepted into the sacrifice of Jesus have such an incredible responsibility. And our responsibility is to share the gospel with people that have not yet known that Jesus is a loving God who wants to receive them and embrace them. That is our responsibility. That's why we go through the effort of creating some tools or ways that we put into your hands to say, hey, you know what? Go and invite somebody that does not know Jesus, that has not yet found that he is Lord and Savior and life and blessing and joy and all the other stuff because we have discovered him to be so. That's why, that's why Jesus came to save the lost. He came to seek and save. The last part of this verse that Jesus came to seek and the word save is what I want to emphasize. Salvation. Salvation is a game changer. Now, the word for save here is a verb, sozai, which uh, is the word from which we get the word sozo. I think all, probably all of us know sozo meaning salvation, right? Now, we usually simplify, I want to say, the word 
salvation like something that you do once and then you're done. You're saved, done, good. You're all set. But now, okay, I want to bring in something a little bit deeper about this salvation. We are not just saved from sin, from sin, hell, and damnation. There's something a little deeper. Look at what um, Colossians chapter 2 and verse 15 tells us. It tells us that having disarmed the powers and authorities, Jesus, he, Jesus, made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. That's what Jesus did. Okay, he came and he said, okay, well, you know what? You deserve hell, but you know what? I'm going to do something. I am going to defeat hell and death and the grave and all of it. And I'm going to make a public spectacle. Public, publicly, I'm going to defeat the enemy for you and for me and for everyone else that will come from here on so that we can have life. He triumphed because of the cross, through the cross, over all principalities and powers that would have brought our own destruction forever. We usually try to simplify the word, but that word cannot be simplified because salvation means so much more. We are not just saved to escape hell, guys. We're not. Salvation or sozo is all about life. That's what Jesus came to give us, life. Life and what? What kind of life? More abundant to the full. Now the devil came for our destruction. But you know what Jesus said? Enough of that, game changer. I'm going to bring life, life that is abundant and more than enough. Being saved, we go from bondage into freedom. When we are saved, we go from death into life when we are saved we go from being lost to being found when we are saved we go from being doomed and living in depression to being found and living with joy the word sozo is a word that's used over a hundred times in the new testament some say 108 times and about half of those times it's found in the gospel, and it means this. To keep safe or sound, to save, to rescue from danger or destruction. To save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger and destruction. How many times has God spared your life and you did not even know it? Because you were saved, he was saving you. He was rescuing you. He was protecting you. He was giving you life when you did not deserve life. Jesus' arms and his wings were over you, protecting you. Saved, rescued from danger or destruction. Number two, sozo means to save one suffering from disease. To make well, to heal, to restore to health, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction, to save or rescue. There we go again. We were rescued. We were found. But now this is about our bodies. This is about healing. 
This is about restoration, where you're probably bound into something and you have no way to get out of it. And you know what God is saying? I am going to make a way. I'm going to provide what you need. I have given you salvation for you. You are sozo. You are saved. And because of it, you can make well on my promises. I'm going to bless you and I'm going to touch you. I'm going to restore you to health. I'm going to preserve you in the, the day of danger. You know what? When we look at the condition of the world today, let's stop there for just a minute. It's enough to depress even the strongest of believers. If you are not worried about the conditions of our world, you need to check your your, your heartbeat, your, your pulse. Because there's some crazy stuff going on in our world, guys. Are you with me? But you know what? We don't have to fret. We don't have to, to lose our minds. We don't have to think that there's absolutely no way out because God is going to preserve us. I believe that God will preserve his children. Now, probably the idea of preservation is not necessarily what you're thinking of as if you're just going to escape and nothing is going to touch you. But you know what? In the midst of the worst conditions and situations of our lives, God's presence and reassurance, reassuring presence can be there with us to help us navigate even through the worst storms of life. We don't have to fret and panic because we have Jesus they will give us the strength and the help that we need. He wants to save and rescue us. Finally, number three, the third definition of sozo that I want to share is that he wants to deliver us from the penalty of messianic judgment to save us from the evils which obstruct the reception of the messianic deliverance. Wow, that's a word. We deserve the penalty. But Jesus took it on him. We should have been the ones that would have been condemned. But Jesus took it. And every obstacle in the way, Jesus removed so that he can give you his deliverance. So, you say, what does that really mean in a practical way? What are some of the challenges that you're facing that you're constantly hitting your head against the wall? What are some of the prayers that you have been praying and you're saying, God, like I pray and I pray and I kept on praying and I, and I prayed so many times over and over again, but nothing, nothing is happening. God, I need your help. God, please help me. Have you been there? I have. When we accept that salvation, when we understand that his salvation is more than just, I accept Jesus in my heart and Savior, amen, and I'm done. And we understand that he took the penalty, our judgment, and then he provides for us a way to receive the deliverance that comes from his promises for us. It will make all the difference. It will make all the difference. 
Salvation is a game changer because Jesus came to save, to deliver, to make us whole, to restore, to heal us. He came to do all of those. And all we have to do and all he's asking for is just a simple yes. Our sins are forgiven, removed. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so as he removed our transgressions from us. The good news is the gospel of the gospel is that Jesus came to give all of this for us for free. For free. There's nothing that you have to pay for. There's, you don't have to go through any condemnation or penalty or any such things. That's why salvation is a game changer. Because it offers us way more than we ever bargained for. And it gives us way more than we ever thought possible. Some of us today need to receive Jesus. Perhaps you've never taken that step. Look, I don't know how, how, for how many years you've been coming to church and you think that everything is honky-dory, but if you can't stand in the presence of God, if something is telling you this is not the place for you, you may not have taken that step to say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I need to receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Maybe you've lost the joy of salvation. Maybe some of us <clears throat> have been going to church and it's been like things are church as usual, life as usual. We come in, we go. We're wondering, we're questioning, we're thinking, am I in the right place? Am I not in the right place? You know what? I want you to know something. That if you're here today and you're asking yourself that question, you're probably in the right place and you don't even know it. Because God's speaking to you right now. And you need to embrace everything that God has for you. Not just what you like. Not just your preferences of Christianity. Not just your list of, I want this, I want that, I want the other. You know, Jesus is not Santa Claus. I know we're in Christmas. But he's not going to give you everything you want. Because he knows best for you. And you have not humbled yourself to a point where you can say, God, I so desperately need you. Because you know what? In your own mind, not only do you have your list of things that you want God to do for you, but you also have a list of all the impediments that will not ever allow you to get to God. Between you and God, there's like that obstacle, that uh, that's too much work. I'm not doing this thing. But if you can stop for a moment today and say, wow, God, You've given me that opportunity to refresh, to renew, to restore the joy of salvation that I so desperately need. Finally, there are benefits to the salvation. Deliverance, healing, freedom, it's all been purchased by the blood of Jesus. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most.
We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.